everything comes from something is an unoriginal podcast about unoriginality because truly everything comes from something that's right my name is isaac ransom i'm one of the hosts of this podcast and if you enjoy the show you can check us out at patreon.com slash ecfs podcast throw a couple bucks our way we want to let you patreons know if you give it the five dollar level we are releasing our first exclusive podcast episode Patreons will be able to receive this on the last day of every month, and this month's exclusive episode features Johnny DeRay, who is on this current episode you're listening to. Johnny DeRay is an animator, and he has been involved with the cartoon series Wacky Towns, which is about these cartoon characters trying to make the best of the situations they're put into. Alongside, he has worked on a new series called Less is More, that's with one S, and the main character's name is Less, and you can check out both those series on YouTube under their adjacent titles. Of course, Johnny will be elaborating on these cartoons in this episode and talk about what it's like to create something, the sort of struggles that come with such a task. If you enjoy the show, as I already said, you can check us out on Patreon. I'm being redundant at this point, but what I really wanted to add was you can give a rating on iTunes. That helps out the show a ton. If you don't have any money to throw away, I totally get it. I'm a college kid myself. And or you can tell your friends and family about the podcast. That is what really helps the show grow. With no further ado, enjoy this episode. So I was walking down San Francisco after work, and I was wearing one of my work shirts, and it says 100% San Francisco, SF, Um, and... I get stopped by this guy. He's like, excuse me, excuse me. Where did you get that shirt? And I was like, oh, it's at my, it's at my work. You know, it's just down the street. And he was like, he was like, wow, that's amazing. I need that shirt. I'm from San Francisco. My mom's from San Francisco. My, my, my grandpa's from San Francisco. And I was like, I, this is just, this is like the opening to a mission in GTA. Like I, I could not understand where I was. I was like, oh, cool, man. Oh, thanks. It's like I either run into crazy random people on the street who are just scary and you don't want to talk to them. Mm, yeah. Or you run into these like Grand Theft Auto NPCs. Or, or like any NPCs from some video game. The other day I was driving to work and there's this guy in the middle of the street wearing a Fisher's jacket carrying a dog kettle in the middle of the street at 7.30 in the morning. I'm thinking to myself, what What am I looking at right now? I'm trying to get to work, right? And so the, the single lane road splits into two lanes and I kind of hug the right lane because this guy's in the middle of the street. And he runs in front of my car, oh, crap, cussing and stuff. And... and then suddenly, so I stop my car and I crack my window because he's tapped me on my driver's side window and he looks at me dead serious and says, there are rabbits frolicking around and you need to help me catch them. And I, I just look at him like, what am I experiencing, right? I'm like, I, I'm sorry, man. It's early. I got to go to work. And he looks so upset and I drove off and I'm just, then I start laughing at myself. I'm like, what am I experiencing? Like, why? What is this? It's reasons for that that I don't take the bus anymore because oh. I just got tired of these stories happening. Like it was fun at first, but then it suddenly came like, what if like one of these days like the guy just has a gun and just feels like not going to jail or whatever feels like going to jail. When I was uh, waiting at the bus stop one time, this guy goes and he's like, hey, 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 man, 
uh, you got any headphones? And it's like, uh, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, no. I'm saying, do you want any headphones? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no. I'm I'm a college student. I already have headphones. It's like, uh, and he reaches into his pocket and pulls out like these like ten dollar earbuds and goes, I'll sell them to you. And it's like, it's okay. I don't need them. And it's like, when here's here's the thing. I'll, I'll trade them with you. And it's like, no, I got to get on my bus. Like, it's okay. I'll I'll, I'll I can go to your house and we can trade over there. <laughs> And I just said, actually, I just realized this is not my bus stop. I'm going to head over to the other one. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And it's just stuff like that that I go, you know, I don't think uh, that there's really crazy people here. It's just people who just stop, like, caring what people think about them when they just do this stuff. It's weird. That's what I've heard is that, like, I've seen some people interact with these these wild people on the street. And sometimes when they get in their face, like, it shuts down, like this person who was trying to freak out people in the first place it's really weird have you ever experienced that no like you're with someone who's from confrontation like, like chicago or something mm-hmm. and suddenly there's a person yelling and the person from chicago looks at him and is like what are you yapping about <laughs> like you watch someone just straight up confront these people and they just shut up like they're like i've never been confronted before <laughs> it's really weird right and then you have like this reverse interaction between the person who's like there's something wrong with you get it together <laughs> and then the and the person who's usually confrontational is like uh, 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 you know like has no idea what's going on there was okay so i have one more weird story i have so many weird stories being from san francisco but we do have to get the podcast rolling but we so i was walking down the street again from my work uh, just a bastion of crazy people and uh, across the street from me i just see a lady and she's staring off into nowhere clapping just like clapping like it's the end of an opera <laughs> she's just going like this clapping and she's barefoot so you know that you know something's going on there right, right, right. and she's just she's just standing there clapping and and smiling and i'm like who is this a ghost <laughs> am i seeing a ghost i'll tell you who else is clapping our audience because this is everything comes from something episode 53 and we would like to welcome our guest johnny hi everybody my name's johnny and I'm a philanthropist. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think the most I've donated is when like Panda Express says, "Hey, would you like to donate a dollar to?" And even, I don't even think I've given it that because I'm like, uh, I need to research about your cause first. <laughs> I want to make sure it's not going down the trash. My name is Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron. I'm a, I'm a co-host. Oh dear, I'm Cameron Tuttle. <laughs> Johnny does have a last name, right? I do have a last name. It's Duray, but no one can pronounce it right. Darius. I, I almost said Doris. Johnny yeah. Doris. That's why I just left it at Johnny. No, most of my friends just call me Johnny Doris. Yeah. So my stage name, though, or I guess whatever it's called, is Johnny Yundaray. It's just... Why do you have a stage name? Well, well, one, because it's cool. And second, <laughs> <laughs> when people ask me, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I look you up and I can't find your content. I'm like, exactly. Exactly. How do you... Wait, what? <laughs> that's, so, so that's if the people, opposite of a stage name. If people were looking for your content, of course, we're going to get into who you are and what you do. But yeah. do you want to throw out some socials real fast? Yes. So uh, for those who don't know who I am, which is probably the majority of the world, I am an animator. But here's the thing, though. I'm not really that experienced in animation. I took like... Oh, uh, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is that I took animation class in middle school with this fool Cameron over here, and he gets the award for <laughs> best animator... <laughs> Oh, so this is just like a grudge podcast then. <laughs> no, 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 no. This you're getting this wrong. It was in 8th grade. We 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 were in the uh not the 3D animation class, but the 3D video game making class. And I got the award for that. 
He is much nerdier than you. You should take this. There we go. Yeah, yeah. It's because I tried to make an open world racing game. (laughs) Someone's a huge Paradise fan. (laughs) Yeah, I was. Yeah. So in high school, I say, you know what? I'm going to make just a completely 100% 3D animated series. And I said, I can't do this. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to combine 2D animation with 3D animation. And all this motivation was birthed from the fact that rage built up inside your heart against Cameron Tuttle and the fact that he beat you in this award competition in middle school, correct? Well, it's not just that. I was making fun of my friend who made a story and I said, you know what? Your character reminds me of a rabbit. I'm going to make a cartoon series about a rabbit just to spite you. You guys know Johnny a lot better already. <laughs> yeah, this is this is him. Everything I do is out of a grudge. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. But You're I do it with a smile. A sp- <laughs> A cynical, spiting human being. When you see me smiling, that's not a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Well, your socials or wherever people can find your content. We will, by the way, we will remind the audience at the end because, of course, you're going to get to know Johnny through the rest of this podcast. Everything Comes From Something is a unoriginal podcast about unoriginality because everything does come from something. Johnny has a story. That's what the show's about. And... I probably already said all of this in the intro bit before the music started, so I don't know why I'm going through this. It's habit. It's habit. I'm trying to break it. Johnny. That's what animation is, habit. And uh, you can find Wacky Towns, the latest uh, show I've been working on, on YouTube. It is also on Vimeo for the 10 people who, you know, watch Vimeo casually. (laughs) Nice, nice. And uh, we also post stuff on Newgrounds, but, I mean, that is... uh, Ancient. Yeah, I mean it's doing stuff, but it's not really a breaking ground. It's you ever you ever thinking about going over to BitChute? No, no, not yet. Okay. Not so Wacky Towns, how long have you been doing this? It's kind of strange because it was an idea I came out, uh, I came up with when I was ten years old. I was uh, doodling pictures just on a paper when it was like I guess the classroom reading time, and we, me and my friend Kyle, we were just coming up with different ideas like different characters and I said oh yeah this character has this personality they do these things together it was a fun idea and when I went to Korea for two weeks shortly afterwards that was the only thing I really had was this doodle this paper of doodles with these characters and I said I have to give them names I have to find out what I can do but I think the the cool part was when around 10 years later I'm just kind of sitting down on my luck working at a pizza shop really hating my life and I say you know what I want to do something with my life but what's there to do my friend calls me up and says hey uh, I need an animator I'll give you $50 if you like animate this thing and I take off my sunglasses and I ask her wait you can make money off of this she's like yeah that's how animators like get their money from animating and I just say wait, wait like how much I go on the line I see like how much money animators can make and I say I'm going to make a pilot. I'm going to make a pilot. And then I realized that it's not going to get any money. And at that point, I'm a year into making this production. I've asked people, including Kyle, the friend from 10 years ago that, you know, who was there. And he basically said, no, um, I'll voice act for it. And uh, lo and behold, he became like one of the best at voice actors on the show. But back to the idea of how Wacky Towns was not going anywhere to financial success me and my friend Phil, who was at this time the co-producer for Wacky Towns, we redesigned our entire just like mission statement for this production that said, we're not doing this for money. In some sense, we're not even doing this to tell a story because 
we've already told our story by writing the script down. We're doing this because we just love to do it. And in hoping so, we can actually come up with some great content. And years have passed since then. We have released our first episode. It did okay in like the film festival run, not getting into any major ones, but getting into some minor ones, winning awards, even uh, premiering in LA. But I think the best part was that we were able to find moderate success on YouTube in which we broke over 1,000 views to someone who has never really been active on the site YouTube of YouTube before um, I started animating. That was a big deal to me. And I think what's important to know about animation is that YouTube is not really the place to thrive when you're an animator. And I mean, that's okay. Yeah. You know what? You know what's like really inspiring for me, Johnny, is that you're right. I heard about Wacky Towns in high school and you kept telling me about it. And in high school, you continued to tell me about it. And I was like, where is the show? <laughs> right? I'm like, where is, where can I find it? And you'd always be like, you know, it's coming. I'm working on it. And it just, it genuinely like blew my mind when you're like, the pilot is out. It's done. And I love what you're saying there where you're like, I, we'd wanted to do it because we love doing it. And Cameron and I can relate to that. That's why we do this podcast, you know? Yeah. We don't have huge success. We have listeners that we love and appreciate, and they support us in incredible ways. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's not about the numbers. It's because we love doing the podcast, right? And so that's where we have common ground. Like, we are creators, and we're doing it for the craft, right? So with Wacky Towns, are you done with Wacky Towns, I guess, is, is kind of my question. Absolutely not. After... Um, finishing episode two, I, I, alongside many other creators, fall into what they call the, is it called the post-production depression? Yeah. Um, Cameron and, knows a lot about that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 right after we presented Wacky Towns at our school film, school's film festival, where we won Best Picture, much to the dismay of the, <laughs> the film club that... <laughs> <laughs> Originally, they were the ones who decided who would win the the festival, and they were the ones who were submitting majority of the the content there. So they decided, you know what, we're going to have faculty members choose the best film because we want it to be a fair game. And the faculty faculty goes, okay, we choose out uh, the cartoon. <laughs> and then that probably must have <laughs> felt good, huh? Well, I know it felt good because when I submitted my next one, less is more, a pilot we'll get into soon. It wasn't accepted into the festival because they choose what gets into the festival. Ah, it's a scheme. Mm. I wouldn't say that. I thought it was funny. It's where I put my tinfoil hat and went, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but I think it's good. That's all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you worked on Wacky Towns. It won an award at the San Jose State uh, Festival for Best Picture, right? Yeah. You're working on something new, though, right? You just said the name of it, right? Less is more? Less is more. Actually, we're working on two projects. So right now, we are working on Wacky Towns Episode 2. It looks fantastic. It's something where I'm, I guess, delegating the position of director to people who were helping out in the first episode. Mm -hmm. And that way, I can focus fully on like the art, the animation, even just making sure the production goes along. It's taking a long time due to... Um, um, crew members having to leave due to medical issues. It's been difficult to try and balance all the work, especially as a student. Everyone in the production is a student, balancing work life, student life. It's, a, I guess it's it's um it's an exercise really. It's 
training and sometimes when you do it just for the end goal sometimes you're not happy with it but that's the point like we don't want to keep on following that that i guess repetition where we finish production fall into the post-production depression where it's like our purpose is just lost we just keep on working keep on making stories and in some sense just uh you keep on moving it's like sharks they can't stop swimming in the water if they fall down if they stop beautiful <laughs> Cameron, you have comments about post production. What is this? First of all, what well, are we talking about? Because I don't, I'm, I don't work in uh, movie production, film production at all. Uh, the only experience I've had was some film classes in college, and it was like get the project done, turn it in, and it felt good to me. So this I, is I, my I, biggest advice: when you finish a huge production, go to Disneyland. <laughs> go to Disneyland. <laughs> I'm not sponsored by Disney. I'm trying to work there, but I am not paid by any way. No, nothing at all. Just go to Disneyland, and it helps the process of getting over that. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, I assume it's different. It might be different for animators, but for for in my experience, you have this this camaraderie and this like fellowship in the production, the actual production, um, and you go through so many headaches and horrible things happen. And there's so many like stressful moments that it like really you you condense through pressure, right? Like like everybody who's on the set is like really close after that. And then you once you get off the set, things kind of fall away. You kind of don't talk to them or hang out to the with them as much, you know, because like like when you're on set, you might be there for a week. Um almost 12 hours a day with with these people so so right, you're like right. you're like basically living with them for for a week or whatever you know so you're you're in it all the time with these people and then you leave and you're like oh there's nobody in my life <laughs> you know like oh you know what a that that was fun i guess what a great experience i'm gonna go back to my boring existence you know what i mean so like there's after after you finish a project you you have this sense of loss um because it's over i mean there's relief in that too because you're not like stressed out all the time but but there's also like you kind of you you're kind of left with like a big hole in 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 your life i feel like mm. do you think that that's why you see a lot of big name directors or big name producers reusing the same like actors or or people they know because they almost want to relive that experience of having a project and an end goal together if it was positive. I think it's different on that level, um, but probably probably that's part of it. I think it it's also just because they work well together. You know, you find these relationships where you're like, oh, I we understand each other, we communicate well with each other. Now, I know both of you are aspiring to be more professional in your field of production what in any sort of film Johnny as to you it it prefers animation and Cameron you're into cinematography right do you guys have any advice for people who are creating content or creating things and they experience these production highs and then they're left with this depression or or a low period like what is the solution to tackling something like that or is that something you're still working through in a way when you're working through it you're kind of just playing a dance with the depression almost like you don't know what to do per se 
you are just trying to figure out, okay, I woke up and I'm upset that I woke up because I liked it when I was asleep, when I wasn't living in this world. And so there are other days, though, where you wake up and you're like, all right, I can do something with my life right now. And it's like your life becomes so unpredictable in that phase. The best thing to do is to just surround yourself with people, whether if it's people, you know, family, close friends, anyone who can brighten up your day or you can find yourself brightening up their day. Someone that can just increase the positivity in your, in your life. Because once you have some form of connection, suddenly that unpredictability is just, you know, a roller coaster of emotion. Something that you know you can see an endpoint to. Mm. Okay. I think, um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I think one of the things is you do have to take a break before you jump into the next thing. You know what I mean? Like, you do have to you you have to take some time off and then eventually you'll get the, the the gears will start rolling again where you're like okay i'm i'm ready to jump into a new production you know what i mean like like you're i feel like whenever i came off of a set there was a time where i i literally did a film a weekend for like 2 months and it was it was too much you know what i mean it was like it was like intense i felt like um especially because you're like you're jumping into new things and you're juggling the the pre-production of it too. You know, you're, you're juggling all those things at the same time. So I was like, I need to take some time. I need to take a break in between each of these things. And then eventually you'll, you'll work up to, 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 to jumping into a new project. But I think it's also helpful to, to like still reach out and connect with the people that you work with, you know, obviously like, if you build that, you forge that connection on set, I think keep keep working through it. Totally. I think what's the hardest about or and and, and I don't I don't want to overspeak here cuz I don't come from experience where you guys are coming from, right? But what's really interesting to me is how much of your personality and soul goes into this work, right? Especially you, Johnny, cuz you talk about Wacky Towns. I mean, you've been talking about Wacky Towns for a long time. Right? Oh, yeah. It's like your baby, you know? It basically is at this it point. Is. Yeah, it totally is, right? When I got a concussion, um, and I'm being carried into, like, the, whatever, the ambulance, and I, like, jump back into consciousness for a second. I see, like, the world fading around me. The first thing that goes into my head is, am I going to forget, like, these characters? Or if I die, who's going to finish it for me? Yeah. And... You know, next thing I, know, I wake up and I'm like vomiting in like the X-ray machine, and that's that's a whole <laughs> different story. <laughs> that that event actually did change my view as a storyteller altogether. Another in a separate topic, it's about whether you're making stories for your own pride or just because you're driven to tell the story. It's mm. it's a fascinating, I guess, like dilemma that most filmmakers get into. But back to what you were saying, though. Yeah. No. I guess like kind of my question is. If you, I mean, I guess think about the jobs that we do like to get paid, you know, I mean, currently I work for a church, Cameron, you're working for retail clothing right now. And Johnny, you're working for Starbucks, right? Starbucks at an amusement park, the so, best place to work at. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, we could talk about Starbucks. Actually, I want to go back to that because you know I'm a vet. I want to take great. Amer I want to talk about Great America. Though. People at Great America find out that I make cartoons, 
and they have either two reactions. Their first reaction is like, wait, someone's doing something with their life? Wait, what, what, what? <laughs> and the other thing is like, oh, that's cute, man. Isn't that the saddest when you're in retail, when you work, like when you're doing something that you care about on the side, people are kind of like, oh, like that's nice, you know? This is what I, uh, this is just a side rant. I hated working in retail and when someone would tell me, yeah, I do music, you know, and they're a barista at a coffee shop. I'm like, go do it. Kill it. Keep going for it. You know, like if this is just to get you by to your next album or your next recording session, keep doing it. Like, I love that. I love the hard work and the dedication because I know a lot of artists and people who are trying to create stuff and do something with their life. You know, I'm like, I love it. Keep going. Keep doing it. You know, um, people encourage me to even do this show when I was still working at Starbucks. So I'm like, man, like, thank God for them. Cause I needed the encouragement. I need someone to kick me in the butt a little bit. Um, but going back to the main question, you know, I'm scattered all over the place. <laughs> we work our regular jobs, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I'm like, do you guys feel personally connected to your job? This is what Karl Marx calls alienation. Thank you, Cameron. (laughs) (laughs) I feel personally connected to the friends I've made in work. Yes, yes. Right. Your coworkers barely, like, get you by for the job, right? Barely being the key word. Yeah. The job is, like, kind of just mundane. For me, I mean, like, I actually like the job that I'm working at right now, but the coworkers definitely help, right? And I, I mean... It's a church, you know, I'm not working there because I like I'm doing it for the money. Right. I'm doing it because I actually enjoy what I'm doing there, which is a total change of pace. Right. But at the same time, I guess I'm almost answering my own question now that I'm thinking about it. Like when my job fails at the church or when I do something incorrectly, it kind of hurts. It kind of hurts personally. Oh, it really hurts. And so when you guys work on something that you created, not not in an egotistical way, but like something that you poured your heart out into and there's failure and there's bumpy roads. Like that really, I think is what plays into what we're talking about. This post-production depression, right? I don't know. Like I said, I just answered my own question because I started thinking (laughs) about something. I started thinking about something that like I created or something that we worked on and it wasn't like a smashing success. At the, um, so this is where I put on my, you know, uh, fancy smancy director goggles, pluck them up, and I just go, well, to anyone who's directed, they'll know that the worst day on set is when you see the final product and you just go, that's it. A lot of the time the director's not allowed on the cutting room floor and most times they're just sending it to an editor and even though they can send it back for notes, when they see that final product, they go, that's it everything I've been working for is come to this and you just kind of have to sit down take it in and say the world doesn't revolve around me time to move on I love that um <clears throat> there's a clip of George Lucas watching the <laughs> one of the drafts of of the Phantom Menace and he just it, it finishes and he just puts his head in his hands <laughs> and he's like <sighs> I may have gone too far in some places yeah 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 exactly you know the one um yeah, no, that's that's totally it. Um, I think that's one of the things that has scared me from like from actually doing like actually directing something and like writing it and directing it and following it through the the whole production. Because um, I kind of like the the separation between 
I do the visuals and I'm proud of that. And I take direction from the director. This is what he wanted. And I'm proud of my, you know, what I, what I accomplished here, even though I wouldn't have made the same story choices or even though I wouldn't have directed someone like this or even blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? There's like a little bit of separation, but when you're the, when you're the, the head, when you're the director, like you're the only person to look to. So if it sucks, (laughs) it sucks, you know, and you, you have to, you have to bear that. And either you, you become uh, kind of ornery about it or you, you say like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, Things could be better, but we'll, we'll, you know, I'll take that into account and I'll, I'll work on it next time. You know, like, I don't know. I think that's the thing. It's this, a, oh, go ahead. Okay. Actually, I want to hear your thought first because I'm kind of sort of transitioning us. So. Okay. Actually, that, that's what I was saying. I'm transitioning because when I'm hearing that it's a good transition to less is more where I'm not really becoming the creative, like decision maker, more or less just the muscle power in the production. Mm. But I guess that's a good way to... Actually, you know, we can cut that part out. I want to. Hey, I ain't editing it huh? that long. I only edit the first fifteen oh, no, minutes. I, I was about to go on a rant about something, and then it just completely escaped my mind. So I said, "It's just better to go straight to less is more." So, when I was going through the post-production depression for Wacky Towns, um, I found it very difficult to just even move. Like, I guess it's because your body is moves when it's dopamine is used to get your body to move. It's why people with What's the disease that Michael J. Fox has? Parkinson's. It's why people with Parkinson's have trouble moving just because of dopamine issues. If I'm wrong, correct me. But uh, it's sort of like when you are not receiving that amount of dopamine, you kind of just don't even have the motivation to even move or even just the physical ability to move. So when I was trying to get myself to walk, I would go on walks and sometimes I'd call my friend. My friend Anthony... Um, he and I were talking and he was talking to me about a story he was writing. He didn't really think it would be going anywhere. And I said to him, you know what? I really like your characters. I really like your story. I want to animate it. And he just goes, I want to see it animated. And I asked him, do we have a production? And he goes, we do. And the second I get home, I just start drawing. Like, how do I envision his characters? How do I see it? I start asking people who are on Wacky Towns, about this and I start getting other people who were just literally I guess focus group members who wanted to be part of it and we have voice actors we are suddenly taking our production much more seriously like we're actually using real equipment not headphone mics to (laughs) record our actors and what's so cool about it is that when we have other people like you know taking initiative stepping up doing what they think is good for the production having their voice put in like we are genuinely surprised when we see everything coming together so when i watch the final product of less is more since i'm even though i'm labeled co-director for it i am just wowed by everyone's work coming together because i'm an animator in it but i look at the backgrounds i say these backgrounds are great i look at the voice acting i said the voice acting is great and even the music the music is uh composed by one of my friends greg and, and and michael there was a lot of people doing music in there you can even hear me uh, playing harmonica in the end credits, but it's so fun to watch it because I watch Wacky Towns and I just look at it as if it's like a homework I'm trying to correct. And I watch Less is More and I just say, I want to do more episodes, not because I want to right the wrong. I just want to see where this goes. 
As for Wacky Towns episode two, it's like I almost feel like it's up to me to have it end in a better legacy, I guess, when the final product wasn't too bad to begin with. So I guess that's my tangent on, you know, moving on to different productions. That's awesome. It actually goes like right in line with my next transition, which was talking about how do you fall in love with the process of being beaten down and then climbing again? Because this is what frustrates me, right? You listen to some of these podcasts, you know, we're young, we're what, in our young, our early 20s, right? We're not too old. I like to listen to podcasts. Johnny, you listen to podcasts a lot? Yeah, occasionally. Cameron, I know you're a big podcast listener. A lot of these people turn in, like, they turn towards motivational stuff. And one of my, the most frustrating things that people say is they're like, you got to fail. You got to fail. You got to pick yourself back up again. You got to fail. And then you fail, you fail, you fail, and then you finally make it. And you look back and you say, man, I wouldn't be who I was without all this failure. And I hear that and I say, man, I don't want to fail that much, you know? And then my whole young, early (laughs) 20 career is just failure, failure, failure. And I'm like, there's just no way to avoid it, right? Fail in unique ways. Yeah, whatever, okay? (laughs) Like, I'm I'm just like, this is not fun. You know, I wish... I wish I could jump to it and I always have to remember, okay, these more successful people or, or famous people are like, oh yes, keep failing, keep failing, you know, keep making it. And to me, I'm just like, how do I fall in love with this? Because if I'm going to make it, I got to learn to love it, right? So what is your guys' experience um, with embracing the failure or working through it? I'm not, I know we are not perfect at it, right? We are still trying to figure it out. But do you guys have any thoughts on what I'm talking about? Anything specific? Embrace the mediocrity. And when you're taking a dump, pretend you're talking to Jimmy Fallon about your latest successful project. (laughs) (laughs) Cameron? Um, I think it takes a certain person to do. I think there is a certain person who um, can fall 50 times and then try 51 times. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think... I think I I don't know what the answer is to like how do you fall in love with the failure? I mean, I really don't know. I think you just have to do it. Like I don't even know if there is maybe maybe the best answer to this is is there another option <laughs> to falling in love with the failure? Like is there what's what's the other way to do it? I guess getting lucky. I don't know. I don't even know if those people succeed you know what i mean maybe there's an aspect where we are our biggest critics right because we know ourselves the best and so measurement of failure is height heightened through like our personal perspective of ourselves and yeah like truthfully i think i live a pretty blessed life and yet i'm talking about how i fail over and over again and this frustrates me and but like I look at myself two years ago and I'm a lot further than I was two years ago. And I think that's the same for you guys as well. Um, Yeah. It's just an interesting question. That's kind of like came to my head with it. Um, So Johnny, did you even ever get your social media out or anything specific? So I started an Instagram. It got two followers and my social media, like I had like a social media person they sort of just didn't do anything with it. And at this point, I was so busy running the production. I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, uh, ha- I don't have time to, yeah, who you cares, know. Right. 
so I started a Facebook. I invited the people I was on, I was friends with on Facebook. I, I think put in 20 bucks to just have it, the ads go out a little bit. And I said, I've spent a thousand bucks on this project so far. I'm not going to spend any more. Um, that was a complete lie. Festival fees are not cheap. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, one thing that was also cool about the Wacky Towns is that we made an entire animated pilot from a thousand dollar budget. And yeah. I think majority of that just went to storyboard artists. And I think that's what's cool about the Wacky Towns is that I wanted to find a way that you could animate characters that would be cheap, fast, and it's not necessarily easy. It's easy to me because I've been doing it for so long. But with episode two, I'm training new animators and it's it's hard. Yeah. No, I don't doubt it. Okay, so if people want to watch Wacky Towns, where can they find it? Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, Newgrounds, and... Um, personal requests from the J Dog himself. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can send the uncompressed DNX HD file via Google Drive <laughs> to experience the wonderful 1080p. Oh my goodness. Okay. So do you have a YouTube channel specific to it? Yes. Wacky Towns. Wacky Two towns. words. Wacky Towns. W A C K. Wait. W A C K. All right. Close enough. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah we're it. good. We're All good. Right. Is it Towns with a Z? Huh? Is it Towns with a Z? <laughs> no, just an S. Okay. Yeah. Not wacky enough. Yeah. Uh, people have trouble spelling it. Those are like W H A. No. No. Well, apparently the creator does too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I so, know. So what about your next the next show you're working on? Is that out yet? Yes, less is more. So this is a different spelling. It's L E S because the main's character the main character's name is Less. Okay. Less is more. Almost like uh some of those French movies. Actually, there's like <laughs> there's like so many Le, other Le more. <laughs> there is so much content actually called Less is More. We actually were thinking about changing the name just because it shared like I guess like so many other stuff was named Less is More, yeah, but yeah. I mean, we're like, you know, we're doing this for fun. We're not actually trying to make a profit out of it. This is the equivalent of, like, people in 2006 releasing li little online web cartoons. Something that they don't really make anymore. Yeah, I know. It Apparently, it got harder. <laughs> it didn't get harder. Just YouTube realized Less that. Less money. <laughs> that you can just film Jake Paul doing crazy shit for 10 minutes, and you can just give him 2,000 bucks from all the ad revenue. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that and unboxing videos. Um, I might just change the entire Wacky Downs channel to just unboxing videos. That'd be f well. You could do it animated. Have you ever thought about doing those videos where you um, you like animate segment segments of a podcast? Because that's a good way to get your your animation cred out. One hundred percent. Are you trying to hire him? No, 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 no. I would never suggest what if, the thing. What if you just? We're trying to hire him for this exact conversation of us arguing with each other whether or not we're going to hire Johnny to freaking animate this podcast this exact minute. Dude, I know how much work it is to do those things. I would never ask Johnny to, to animate our podcast. Are you saying you wouldn't pay him? Um, He'll pay an experience. Yeah, I'll pay an experience. <gasps> oh my he could gosh. be an intern. <laughs> Are you just like, you know, summarizing the Bay Area film scene? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're like free, but we'll provide gas and pizza. <laughs> gas being a maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So unless we have any more comments, we're gonna shift the show towards movie talk. I want to talk yes. about animated movies, specifically some ones that we've seen recently and our thoughts on them. But if you want to hear more from Johnny and some more of his personal stories, you can subscribe to us at patreon.com slash ECFS podcast, where we will be releasing our first Patreon exclusive 
episode. It's at the $5 level, correct, Cameron? Yep. Cameron's going to be figuring out the RSS feed so you can have the podcast unlocked on your podcast service of choice, probably Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. I don't know if Spotify does RSS feed, does it? Yeah, well, yeah. It's complicated. We're figuring it out. But if you want that exclusive monthly episode, this is the first one. It's going to release on the last day of the month, and Johnny will be on it. And it offers any interest at all, every Wacky Towns episode, as bizarre as it is, is loosely based off of something that has happened in real life um, to someone in the crew, but most often something to me. Hmm. In fact, um, a little just a spoiler, I guess a little sneak peek. (laughs) The entire episode one of Wacky Towns is based off of the making of Wacky Towns episode one. And that's pretty meta. I know. And it wasn't even planned that way. It just happened. That Let me way. tell you guys, Johnny has really weird personal stories. <laughs> and so you're going to want to hear them. Check us, check us out at patreon.com slash ECFS podcast. And you can get that Patreon exclusive episode on the last day of each month. Okay. Let's switch gears real fast. And let's talk about animated movies. What's the big one this summer? Toy Story 4. Toy Woo! Story 4. How to Train Your Dragon 3. Okay, but What hold did you on. think of that, though? I'm honestly curious. So, when I watched How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I knew exactly what was going to happen because the trailer gave it away. So, I literally was just going to watch it for that last 15 minutes of the movie, where, um, to anyone who hasn't seen the trailer... Spoilers? I haven't seen it. Um, I'm not even going to spoil it, because just watch the trailer and you'll know what happens, but... I just said, as long as they pull off that last 15 minutes, I will have liked the movie. And they did pull off the last 15 minutes. Unfortunately, the, I don't know, the 90 minutes before that is kind of, like, standard. So it's like Rogue One, a Star Wars story. (laughs) I remember really liking the first How to Train Your Dragon. It's amazing. And then the second one I thought was pretty good, too. It's a solid franchise. Yeah. You know, Shrek kind of stopped. It peaked at Shrek 2 and just went down. (laughs) Kung Fu Panda like is actually an, also a very solid trilogy, and How to Train Your Dragon. I didn't like the second Kung Fu Panda, but thank you, me neither. Okay, yeah. I can finally say was that, that safely. the one with like Ty? Uh, no, he's trying to find his real dad or whatever. Ty Lung is the first one, right? Yeah, that was like a super sick breakout. Oh scene yeah, in the first so movie. Where good. He like kicks the bamboo rods into the rock walls. So I'm like, yeah, good. how the heck is he doing that? That first <laughs> movie is actually really good, and I love Jack Black. I mean, yeah. It's amazing, and Kung Fu Panda is just kind of just um, a telltale sign that whatever that word telltale sign means, that animation can take whatever we see in life and just times it by ten. Because when we watch Kung Fu movies, like it's it's awesome. Like we can see um, people break out in fights and do all sorts of stunts that we would not see in the everyday life. When you animate it, though, you can do it in set pieces that we wouldn't be able to imagine in well our wildest animation. Animation, imagination. You see fight scenes on a dangling bridge. You see fight scenes where it's like rocks are crumbling, and you see a tiger literally racing up the falling pillars. You have fight scenes where basically animals are fighting each other, and it's the animals of kung fu. And you would not see this in a live action piece. And it's not only just kind of breathtaking to look at, but it's also holding up very well for a movie that is over ten years. Mm, yeah. Animated movies, like, I just love how it's it's so hard because you think about an animated movie and you're like, this is like 
a lot of kids watch cartoons, right? Yeah. But the animated movie, because of what Pixar did, like it can transcend so many generations, way beyond what what like kids can appreciate. And we were talking about watching Toy Story two, right? Like that movie is almost better as an adult than it is as a kid. Because I watched Toy Story two as a kid, and you were saying the same thing at dinner, Johnny. I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but now looking back on it, we're like, dang, this movie is really good, right? And so just animated movies are becoming exquisite. Like, it's like the golden age of animated movies. And I'm going to go through a couple of my favorites here, and I hope you guys share yours as well. But the moment that I realized, like, animated movies had had just become so excellent is when I was watching Toy Story 4 this summer. For the second time, there's this scene where Woody snaps at Bo Peep in an alleyway. And he says, like, this line that's supposed to jabber in the heart. Woody, Woody's pretty brutal. I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed. Like, he's got some pretty... He's sassy. He, he's got some low blows, dude. So play nice. <laughs> in these in these movies, dude, he's, like, he's got a sharp tongue. Let me tell you. All right? And he gives this low blow to Bo Peep in this dramatic moment in the alleyway. And the entire audience, this is my second viewing, the entire audience gasps as he says it. Because it's it's a it's a heavy line, right? And I, I just sit back and I'm thinking, this whole audience gasped at two toys arguing in an alleyway. <laughs> like, Pixar has encaptured them into this world, and it is so real to them. It is so real. Pixar is the reason why I would close my toy chest whenever I got dressed because I didn't want my toys to like to see me changing <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> that movie is scary, visceral. Like yeah. Toy Story Four is like incredible to look at. Oh, it's it's beautiful. I mean, it's one of the most gorgeous. I mean, I think it is the most gorgeous animated movie I've ever seen. It's so it looks more real than like the the photorealistic three D movies you know what i mean like the lion kings or whatever it looks yeah, way more the lion king it, it looks way more real than than those movies it's like it's i, I don't even know i can't even explain how they did it it Ray looks tracing. so well, i mean i know what how <laughs> they did it but I, I can't explain how they made it look just so beautiful yeah whoever was in charge of textures for that movie did such a good job and i'm gonna oh, pull yeah. it with the nerd are we allowed to cuss on this podcast? No. You already have twice. Nice. But we're going to add it. Timestamps. We can on the Patreon exclusive, though. Yeah, that's right. Sure. Hey. Patreon exclusive. Can I choose the sound explicit. effect that actually is my sensor mark? Sure. What do you want? Um. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know anymore. All right. <laughs> I was really excited to choose. And then I, you didn't have one. Um. How about when uh, Woody goes, like, toy? <laughs> 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 it hey, can't wait, be I, a line of dialogue. The audience is going to be beyond confused. <laughs> you are a toy. <laughs> um, I have a question about t- Toy Story Two. Yeah. Right, Woody gets burned with the magnifying glass in in Toy Story One. Right, mm-hmm. and he's got a dot. Does that go away before he gets um, reconstructed by Al? Yes. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have that in the beginning of the movie. So you see, the reason for doesn't this, he rub it off with a eraser? What? No, no, it's permanent until Toy Story two. Yeah, yeah, it's it's with him for the end of the movie. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, and what happens is that when they made Toy Story two, they actually made a new model, and so that's why Woody does not have the mark again. And they forgot. Yeah, 
<laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But it would have been cool while he's being reconstructed to it's just, you know, touch a little, touch up on the, most on the scar- forehead. Most scarring scene in Toy Story. It's kind Obviously of like... Obviously the Cheeto fingers. Oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> By far. Toy Story 2 Cheeto fingers. Wow. Yeah. I just cannot get over it. It's just, ugh. I can't take it. No, no. Like, I can't eat Cheetos anymore. Uh, I ca- yeah, I kind of feel that. It's getting dark in this room. Do you want to turn on the lights? I'm Are the you light. getting scared? Oh, speaking light. of scary... Did you guys see Midsommar? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Midsommar. No, I, I've heard... My friend was talking about it. It's very good. It's not scary, though. So, Isaac, you could watch it. As in, like, it, it is It is not that scary at all. Um, but I would highly recommend it. It's very good. Don't go into it expecting a horror movie because I think peop- a lot of people were disappointed because it was... Um, I mean, it didn't... It. It's not a horror movie. I mean, it is in some ways, but it's very good. It's very, very good. I heard mixed things about it. I don't know. Like, I just... Some people that I listen to on YouTube are just kind of like, yeah, it's got a really, really, really slow beginning. And also some people are complaining that the comedy didn't land for them. Really? Yeah. So... uh, I thought it was hilarious. It does seem like one of those high horror pictures it, it probably is pretty artsy i might enjoy it yeah very it's it's so good though you i think you would like it i have to check it out it was on my list i do really want to see quentin tarantino's next film but we're talking Ooh. about animation yeah so cameron what is your favorite animated movie up i knew that already when yeah. asking really yeah. yeah it is it's ah. so good dude i'm so split about like what my favorite animated movie is mm. for the longest time it was the lego movie i was just blown away about how like that movie looks Stunning, and it yeah. and it pays tribute to all like the stop motion Lego videos that are on the internet because of its animation style. Let me just say right now that Lord and Miller are slowly becoming like the new animated geniuses, like animating geniuses. They have created so much content, whether it's by producing them or directing them. I mean, they start with Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs, which is a good movie, yeah. right? Yeah, that's all. Then you get the Lego Movie, which is a great movie. And then you get into the Spider-Verse. Which, which is, is the one that competes with the Lego movie for me. Stunning. Like, legit. Like, I I didn't even know what I was getting into. I paid $18 to see this movie. Actually, I paid it twice. I bought my girlfriend the ticket, too. So it was like $32 to go see Into the Spider-Verse. But I watched it on the best screen I have ever seen a movie on. It was some weird THQ, or THX experience or whatever. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where? Like, Dolby Digital Theater. That's what it is. Dolby Digital Theater, like, oh, incredible. It was at AMC. I didn't know that my tickets were going to cost that much. I was angry walking in until the movie started playing. Mm. I've never had a theater experience so incredible. Like, it was just gorgeous. I I can't express it. There's this scene where Miles is walking across the street and Biggie Smalls' song starts playing, Hypnotize, and... The theater like literally engrosses you into the experience at the same time because his uncle flips a switch on a subwoofer in in the scene. It's a quick cut. And then the second he flips the switch, the bass in the seats rumbles (laughs) with the line of the Biggie Small song. I'm like, this is incredible. And the artwork in the movie is, it's just blowing my mind. I've seen a video essay about Into the Spider-Verse. Miles Morales' frame rate is animated at a slower frame rate than Peter Parker's to visually simulate that he is clumsy, 
inadequate and not quite Spider-Man. And throughout the movie, the frame rate increases to the very end where he's at 30 frames a second, just like Spider-Man was. Mm. I'm like, this is blowing my mind, dude. <laughs> it's blowing my mind how subtle of a detail that is mm. for an animated film. It's just, it's so clever. I'm just, I, I don't know. If you haven't seen it in the Spider-Verse, it's on Netflix. Watch it. It's so good. It's seriously so good. And it's great because I had a film professor who, someone in the class asked him, are you a fan of animation? And I said, and he said, I'm not really a fan of it. Like, um, I watched them and I realized that they have nothing off, nothing to offer to cinema. All we can, all they can do is borrow from live action and he refers to how Roger Deakins helped, like, the, I guess, the framing of the camera in Wally, because he was, like, the cinematographer for that film. And I'm just sitting in the back of the class saying to myself, this guy has not seen Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, seriously. Like, it is, it, yes, it borrows from Spider-Man, but it really, like, carves its own. It gives so much back. Yeah, it really, it really is its own thing. And I think it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Mine too. Yeah, like, and I, I really didn't think it was gonna top the old Tobey Maguire films because I'm so nostalgic. About Pizza those. time. Yeah, dude. Um, you didn't think it was gonna be better than Spider-Man Three? <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm gonna put some dirt in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> those movies are amazing. Okay. <sighs> Gosh. They're amazingly like kind of bad, but bone saw <laughs> is ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So those two movies, Lego Movie and uh, and Into the Spider Verse, they're up. They're just I love them. Mm, I will throw up another one. Um. It's called Waltz with Bashir, and I don't know if anybody's seen. I have it. heard of. I've seen stuff of it. Yeah. And it's apparently animated on MS Paint. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know about that. It might be, but I know it was very arduous to to animate. Um, but it is incredible. It's breathtaking. It's such a sad story. Very, very. It's mature. It's a very mature animation. But it's about um, it's about a uh, an Israeli man dealing with um, like his past service in the in the IDF, um, and it's it's incredible. It's so good. Highly recommended. One of those kid cartoons. Yep. All the kids should watch it. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, no, that 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 is another one that is like up there for me. I I but again, it's like it's like one of those movies that that borrows from cinema, but it totally expands it in in a really inventive way. Like it it couldn't have been done um just with with traditional film. And to be honest, Traditional film can't be done now with without animation. So, well, I'm just gonna throw that out there for your wrong professor. Yeah, I love I Thank love you. that statement that it's like animated movies if they don't utilize the fact that it couldn't be done live action, like that kind of questions their existence. Yeah, just like um, uh, the Polar Express. <laughs> <sighs> The Academy Award deserving films featuring Tom Hanks as everyone. I just I watched this video that put 
Tokyo Drift music in the Polar Express while he's drifting <laughs> on the ice in the train. And, it, and I was just watching that and I was like, I've never seen the Polar Express, but my God, this is, this is something. This is something. And they're just, the train drivers like drifting on the ice. That, it's like that weird, like, what is the Fast and Furious song? It's like, dun, 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 You know what I'm talking about? Like, wow, I want to watch that video. Yeah, it's somewhere on Twitter. I'm sure someone can find it, but anyway. Well, well, I bring up that movie because it's it's totally what you're talking about. It's like, that could have been filmed live action. Like, basically, yeah. basically that whole movie is is Tom Hanks and on a train with a kid you know like and so, and so there's like a couple scenes that needed some some touch-ups probably with animation like he dances on a table at one point <laughs> and he pours just, he pours hot chocolate i'm sorry i just lost it guys i'm thinking about a really gritty animated thomas the train like <laughs> rendition i don't know why my head is there right now but i would see that johnny yeah what about your favorite animated films because you're the animation guy here yes so I was mentally thinking of what is my favorite animated films, but what should I just say so that people can hear, oh yeah, these films are great. Not many people know them, but they're fantastic. Well, you can... Speaking of fantastic, Fantastic Mr. Fox, that mm. is my favorite animated movie and it is one I think everyone should see. But here's the thing though. It's great because every time you watch it, it gets better. I've watched it many times, so it's fantastic. Mm. Mm. But then there's other animated films like Akira. It's, um, I guess, the anime that Weebs will say like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's like stage one of your anime watching. <laughs> <laughs> and then is Weeb, is Weeb offensive? No. Okay. You can say it. Yeah. I don't know. You you would be the expert on this. <laughs> I, I watched the first half of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood and I said, you know what? Anime is pretty cool. I'm going to go watch Phineas and Ferb now. Nice. <laughs> My favorite thing to trigger anime lovers is I'm like, yeah, I love Avatar: Last Airbender. That one's great. <laughs> oh, that's that is one of the best shows though. Ever I was gonna bring it though. up a little bit in a little bit. That show, talk about like fight scenes that I don't think can be done live action. <laughs> Avatar: Last Airbender by M Night Shyamalan. Uh, <laughs> you know, like uh, it's it just it's that show is super like artistic and I watch it every like two years all the way through and it still holds my entertainment somehow I don't know how I still cry every time dude the ending is awesome yeah it's really good only three seasons totally worth a watch there's only like one or two filler episodes which is surprising for a show like that the plot is very well thought out for a three season show the first season does start as like your standard kids show because I mean um, Brike, that's what they call Michael and Brian uh, together. Brike, they kind of just had to navigate um, like children's television of the 2000s, which was what you're having an ongoing plot line. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that that didn't really happen, especially on Nickelodeon. You look at like their big hits, which is SpongeBob and all that. But you know, they got SpongeBob Legos, and then they got Avatar: Last Airbender Legos. So don't see any other Nickelodeon Legos. I don't know. I would like to just bring up SpongeBob for a little bit. I know the animation kind of sucks, but it is so funny. It's such a hilarious show. And I actually do think it leans into the the animated bit of it. You know, like having having these characters who are ridiculous and 
drawn in very strange ways and the main character being a, a dish sponge you and know he's like freaking playing his nose as a flute yeah yeah like in a theme song <laughs> it's like well and i think i think actually cartoons just in general really lean heavily into the animation aspect and always have um because there's so much physical comedy that you can do in animation that you just can't in real life um but i i love spongebob i think it's it's stuck around for being as funny as it is like i think people i think people still come back to it and pick things out of it that are just I'm telling hilarious. you if friends has fallen off netflix they just got to put spongebob on there people will be happy. oh exactly. yeah at least the first three four seasons yep it'd be great and to play off the theme of everything comes uh, from something uh wacky town's biggest inspiration is spongebob squarepants mm. we literally would watch episodes of the early spongebob and just take notes off of it like how is blocking used? How are characters interacting with objects? How are they, you know, moving when they're feeling a certain way? And every character moves differently because every every character's body is different. And I think the reason why SpongeBob speaks to so many people is that they can always relate to someone regardless of how one-dimensional they are. The character can be super simple, but they can relate to it, even if it's just like, you know, you're Squidward and you hate life or you're SpongeBob and you love life and you're Patrick. And sometimes you just want the simple life. And sometimes you're just dumb (laughs) (laughs) or or you're, you're a squirrel underwater. Yeah. The most relatable. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think, you know, the spacesuit and everything (laughs) who wrangles a worm Um, explains my outfits a lot. It gives Texans representation. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're Very usually, stereotypical they're, representation. You know what, though? They're usually neglected, though. You got to give it to the Texans. They're yeah. not usually in anything. That, But the one time where she sings a song and cries is actually very touching. <laughs> it is. It brings me to Jesse's really depressing song from mm. Toy Story 2. Yes. Yes. Speaking of that, we should go back to animated Toy Story. Film. Yes. Well, yeah, we can. Uh, but Johnny, you have any other animated things you want to bring up? Yes, I I actually have my top ten animated films, um, not in order, but uh, memorized, and that is Fantastic Mr. Fox, How to Train Your Dragon, Prince of Egypt. Ooh, Prince of Egypt. Prince of Egypt is a Good great taste. movie. Amazing. What about uh, you ever? I, I this is probably on your list, or maybe not, but like Treasure Planet is pretty cool. It's not on my list. Oh, really? No, and that's the thing though. Um, I think there's only one Pixar movie on my list, and that's Coco. Is Treasure Planet? No, it's Disney. Yeah, it's, it's Disney. 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 And they, the Treasure Planet has this interesting video essay from this guy on YouTube. Bread we've, Sword. We've brought it up before. Bread Sword has a great video series. I saw that on, actually on a uh, Treasure Planet. It's just actually it's one episode. Um, but it's very unique how he explains the clash of animation styles in that movie and how they're artistically mended together. Really interesting, but sorry. Once again, another inspiration for Wacky Towns, blending um, 2D and 3D animation. But um, another one I really like, and a lot of people are liking now, is Spirited Away. Mm Hayao Miyazaki, Studio Ghibli. It is almost... It transports you to another world. I first saw it as a little kid. Um, I changed the channel, and it was playing that train scene, the very iconic sixth station scene, where I just see this character... She's just on this train traveling through this strange world. She's not really reacting to it. It's all numb to her. But it's so still. Everything is so still that you almost feel like this is a real world. It's just, it's as if someone put pause in this moment of reality. And even though this train is moving, it's this surreal 
but at the same time real experience and it's done from just hand-drawn animation and anyone who's seen it knows what i'm talking about is who who's the animator for this movie Spirited Away. Oh, uh, Hayao, Miz- Hayao Miyazaki is the director. Do you know if he's related to that game Nino Kuni at all? He yes, he did. Well, his company did the animation for it. Because they Studio look, Ghibli did the animation. They for look it. super similar. I I've always wanted to know that because yeah. I I always forget what the movie's <clears throat> called, and then they always talk about Nino Kuni's art style and how it's like hand drawn and really cool. And I'm like, yeah, they, yeah, that, that was similar. A, Studio Ghibli did the first game i didn't want to overstep because i know that his style from spirited away is actually like highly sought after and kind of simulated by other artists who who look up to that film but yeah another um another really great film from a studio that not many people know it's a secret of kells i forget the name of the studio Mm, yeah yeah but i think i met some of the people behind that and that their goal was to just bring you know hand-drawn animation back to glory because with uh, CG, even though we've seen some great, you know, CG animated features, there's sort of been a massacre on, you know, hand-drawn films. Like, the most they can get is, like, an Oscar nomination. But Secret of Kells is a really great film. It's beautiful. It's almost like a... It's you're like you're watching a fairy tale from Ireland. And the best way I can just sell it to people is that imagine you're a little kid and you're reading a fairy tale for the first time. Now, take that experience with a movie, and that's what Secret of Kells is. And um, How to Train Your Dragon, the movie we mentioned before, is one of my favorite animated movies. And uh, I think Into the Spider-Verse has uh, knocked out my 10th spot, which I can't even remember. So, um, Into the Spider-Verse. Sweet. I think that was only seven. It was only seven? Yeah, uh, that's I wasn't keeping count of top seven. Hey, there, that's there we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. This Did ain't you, watch Mojo. You ever you ever watch uh, you ever watch Coraline? I love oh, that. Oh, Coraline is great. I think it's the best uh, out of the. That company did like a a handful of like stop motion animations. What about the Samurai Jack inspired Clone Wars series? Now that is some sick. Gendity Tartakovsky <laughs> is, um. He is talent rolled up into a human being. <laughs> yeah, I loved Samurai Jack, but I was I was always scared of it. I as didn't. A kid. I didn't watch Samurai Jack. I'm talking about the Clone Wars specific one. Mm. That's like a spin-off. You know what I'm talking about? I don't yeah, know. If, I, know. I don't know if he's he's involved in it or. Yeah, I think he was. It's sick. That was really cool. Yeah, it was. It was pretty cool. Mace no, Windu, I think it, Mace Windu I, causing a, a crater on Geonosis was pretty dope. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I love Revenge of the Sith. And I hate Force Awakens. And should I say it? The Last Jedi, I have no opinion of because I honestly have not. Where's this coming from? <laughs> I just almost ended the podcast. Jo- Johnny, did you just say you love Revenge of the Sith? A fuse just broke in his head. I think that's what's happening. There's steam coming out of his nose. I have, I guess, such weak opinions of Star Wars because I have not seen the original trilogy. What? In 15 years. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Um, actually, no, that, that's an exaggeration. It's like 12 years. But um, I saw A New Hope and Empire Strikes. Actually, no, I haven't seen Empire Strikes Back in a while. But it's like I the saw, best one. It is the best one. I saw A New Hope recently, and my mind was blown. Like I just said, I, this is not how I remember it as a kid. This, this is a great movie right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Like, none of the other movies have anything, like, on it, I guess, outside of Empire. 
I watched the new, like the new ones, uh, Force Awakens, um, Last Jedi, and even Rogue One. I didn't see Solo. Um, I saw. I listened to your podcast on Solo, though, <laughs> and that convinced me not to watch it. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of lukewarm. I have not seen a Star Wars movie that has made me feel something since Revenge of the Sith. And even though, like, Revenge of the Sith has a lot of icky gooey stuff in it that i just don't <laughs> like like when anakin's going you're so beautiful <laughs> oh gosh only because i'm so in love <laughs> and then I, I don't even know how the rest of the di- i just at least it's not as bad as the weird sweaty fire scene with anakin and padme and attack of the clones that one makes me pretty sweaty fire scene yeah you know what i'm talking about right no oh oh where where From attack of the clones attack the, of the dinner clones. scene the yeah. dinner scene no, you're talking no, about? no 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 it's like there's a fireplace it's really dimly lit I don't remember. Everybody's is that super sweaty. Yeah, I know it because of the how it should have ended. How it should have ended of it, but I know it because of the remember. robot chicken rendition of it, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> robot chicken Star Wars is great. Like, oh yeah, it's yeah. solid. It's really good. I think uh, what's tragic about the prequels is that I think people just thought that George Lucas was a genius, like a tour, and so they just said, you know what, you just have final say on everything. <laughs> When they don't realize is that the reason why the originals worked out is that they learned that George Lucas is a good idea person. When it comes to executing, though, you need to get, like, professionals to work on it. Or just his professor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that that was the story. Did you know about that? Irving Kirshner, he was the... He was he was basically just George Lucas's professor and he, <laughs> George Lucas asked him, he was like, Hey, can you direct this? And he, he hadn't really directed that many features before, but he, he, he was like, yeah, sure. I'll direct empire. And it turned out to be the best one. Although apparently production was nightmarish. So. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, everything usually ends on the show talking about star Wars. That's so. rogue one, a star Wars story. Nice. <laughs> I liked rogue one. I didn't like it at first, but this is how I say you start Star Wars just completely not acknowledging episodes one and two, Phantom Menace and Clone Wars. They don't exist. What you got to do is that you got to start with the Clone Wars series, which is probably after the original trilogy, the best, you know, rendition of any Star Wars story. I have watched all of the animated Clone Wars. It's hard for me to recommend. And here's why. There are so many great moments in the show. But there is a, so much trash in it too. Like I haven't finished it, so you be be prepared. Seasons uh, three and four get hard to watch, especially when Jar Jar starts becoming a diplomat oh no. and juggling cakes in front of <laughs> uh, a, a diplomatic party. That is where I'm like, I can't take any more of this. I take back what I say. I'm not an expert in Star Wars, and honestly, don't take anything I've said about Star Wars seriously. <laughs> Or have you got to the episode where um, C-3PO... I haven't gone to any episode past episode two. (laughs) So so it's really weird. The Netflix exclusive season after the last two seasons, which are trash, is actually really, really good. Like, it's it's really weird. They they greenlit a final season for Netflix, and then the show is supposed to return again. Um, But that last season was like just as good as the first two seasons and i was like sweet i'm into this something happened with seasons three (laughs) and four there is an episode where padme is gonna have a birthday party and they send c3po and r2d2 to go find a cake and um 
they get lost in the Coruscant <laughs> underground. And then suddenly Cad Bane, who is a villain that shows up in the first or second season. I do know about this character. Yeah. Yeah. He I'm very he, like well versed in he, the show. I yeah. Just, he kidnaps R two D two and C three PO wipes their memory or something and implants data and steals the data so he can begin his heist hostage situation from the beginning of season two that's that's the worst thing is that the show is all out of order like if you're gonna watch the clone wars in order you have to watch a certain set of episodes in a strange like you have to start in season three it makes no sense it actually makes no sense like when i started watching it i was like wait didn't Rex's crew like well, didn't that guy fives didn't he die already like I'm pretty sure he died and then I read that like the Clone Wars is out of order and what? the it, what's even weirder is that the Netflix's final season are like these five episodes throughout the entire show's anthology and like they're extremely good individual shows but with the context of the rest of the storyline they're also way deeper and since I'd seen them all too I was like Wow, this final season's really, really intense, but also completely out of order. And yeah, it's a train wreck. It's pretty much a train wreck. Wow. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. So here's what I'll say. After you finish what you start by watching George Lucas's original trilogy, and then once you're done with that, you turn on Lord of the Rings and watch that. <laughs> and then after that, you turn on back no, not Back to the Future. The Dark Knight trilogy. The Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, you can watch the first two. What back are you to the recommending future. right now, Johnny? Like, what is this? I'm saying is that you just stop when the movies stop being good. Oh, I got you. Yeah, and what I mean, I guess I should say this um, very carefully because I know a lot of uh, fans, um, I guess, appreciate different parts of the movies. I personally I like to, I guess, have a consistent quality. So even if like a sequel is good, if it's not as good as the previous ones. I just like to see it in like a different category, which is why I'm one so, of the- so like um, uh, Aladdin, Return of Jafar, <laughs> or Aladdin, the the Hidden City or the Golden City. What is that one? <laughs> I had that one on VHS. I don't know. I haven't watched those. I don't have an opinion. The direct to VHS um, Aladdin sequels? No. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or they're terrible. <laughs> what about Spider Man Three? I love Spider-Man 3. Oh That's the gosh. one you, you actually have to put that sequel in its own league above the first two. <laughs> it's a comedy. It is a slapstick comedy. It is in, It is genuinely incredible. Pizza time. <laughs> I love that movie. It is so good. It's like Sam Raimi came back from the future and discovered meme culture and just said, I want to <laughs> just make a movie full of this. <laughs> He just discovered pizza time would be like a thing, and I just and he just said, "Okay, let's have him do like a jazz." <laughs> if dance. you want to know what we're talking about, we're talking about the strange demonic video <laughs> presence on YouTube known as YTP, and the best YTPs are sparked from the Sam Raimi trilogy. Um, I'm sorry if this is offensive to you, but there's a whole series called Penis Parker, and it is just it is it is something else. Let me tell you, I I'm not trying to recommend it. And yes, this came out before Spider-Man: Homecoming. So yeah. whether or not the writers like were a fan of YTP, I don't know. But what about uh, wait? Was is there a is there one called Penis Parker Enters the Spider Verse? The no, Pizza Verse? The Pizza Verse one into the Pizza Verse, but it's a separate creator. That one is quite exquisite. I'm not gonna lie; it mends all the trilogies into one edit, which is just it, yes. it's surprising. I'm not gonna lie; it's it's great and extremely dirty. So oh yeah, all yeah. the YTPs are very dirty. So have you ever made a YTP? You? 
No, but um, you my should. editor for think... Wacky Towns wants to make a YTP of Wacky Towns. I think you should make a YTP. I think you'd be good at it. I might. I actually started working on. I guess. I guess it's a. It's, it should be called a YTP. I called it a meme video, but mm. I wanted to make a YTP of the series Cobra Kai. It's a YouTube Red original. Yes, yeah. That um, is taking place after the Karate Kid 50 years later. Um, it's amazing. It's one of the few reboots where not only does it build off of the original, but it captures nostalgia very cleverly. And it is... Not, I don't want to say it's better than the original Karate Kid because it's just such a different, you know, f- like form of entertainment. It's so good though, and I think it's one of those things where it's like, yes, the quality is inconsistent, but that's because they're just aiming at two different things. The first Karate Kid is like a Rocky for teenagers, and Cobra Kai is literally just a show about. Well, it's about midlife crisis. It's about balance. It's about bullying. It's about um, seeing whether or not if you're making the right choices or not. And that's, I think, what I look for in a story, not necessarily how good it is, how much it satisfies, like, you know, my needs as a fan for the show. If I'm watching a good story, I don't care about the quality. That's why you like Star Wars Episode Three. At the Once I, like, strip out all that unnecessary <laughs> stuff, it's a film about two best friends basically being torn apart by ideological differences and sure we hear Anakin saying don't make me kill you (laughs) if you're not with me (laughs) then you're against me (laughs) only a Sith deals in absolute (laughs) perfect and it's why I love the first two Back to the Futures originally in the podcast I was going to say well I don't like the third one because it's just well it's really good it's just not up there with Mm. the first two but then I realized the only thing he has to learn in the third movie is to overcome the whole nobody calls me chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not as it's not as complex as the other movies. Yeah. Yeah, but it's in the Wild West, which is pretty It's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, and they pretty... crash they crash a train. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. I I have I really like Back to the Future 3. It's a solid movie. It's pre- yeah, it's pretty good. But are you going to when are you going to make a YouTube poop? Um, whenever I get enough times on my hand, mm. time, times on my, time on my hands, mm. because here's the thing, as much as I want to, you know, make a YTP off of Cobra Kai, I don't really know that much stuff to do off of it. I like to watch it, but I don't really know to anyone who is wondering what YTP is. It stands for YouTube poop. It's when they just edit movies and just mess with it to make it funnier. And if I were to give any other description to it. It's basically like making characters say dirty innuendos. Imagine, <laughs> That's usually what it is. Imagine you're watching a movie with your friends and they just keep on talking over the movie by inserting their own lines into it. Mm, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly. a good description. Yeah. yeah. So, if Johnny's YTP ever comes out, you can find it under some YouTube mm-hmm. channel that he probably hasn't made yet. And if you want to see his latest animation, you can check it out under wacky towns as it should be spelled and his with a space between the wacky and the towns that's correct and uh his newest show less is more with one s correct less is more right now is in the wacky towns channel but we are going to make a separate channel when more episodes come out cool sounds good all right um with that we have a exclusive episode to record any any last words for the people who don't have any cash to throw their way towards patreon don't take our opinions of movies that too seriously. I'm sure they don't. You don't. should. We joke. I'm a ab- professional. I have a bachelor's <laughs> degree. 
Everything Comes From Something is currently 100% fan-funded, and the show wouldn't happen without supporters like you, especially our executive producers, Darren O'Neill, Kiana Leigh Yap, and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you so much for your support of the show. And of course, even if you can't give financially, you can continue to support us by just listening to our episodes giving them ratings on iTunes and telling friends about the podcast. Even share a podcast episode. If you think it's insightful or exciting or entertaining, it doesn't matter. Uh, We just are trying to get the word out about the show. We believe in our creative product and we hope that you believe in it too with us. So we love you guys and we will see you next week.